Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as I go through my normal recording time for Nuggets Numbers. And it's been interesting heading into the offseason directly. We now have our, our NBA champion in the Los Angeles Lakers that, that seemed to be moving in that general direction last week. Although the, the Miami Heat put up a nice fight. Uh, Jimmy Butler was very good. Uh, I mean, not a lot needs to be said, though. It was pretty clear that the Lakers were the better team, the certainly the healthier team. And, and when you have LeBron and Anthony Davis and uh, Bam Adebayo is injured on Miami Heat on the Miami side and Goran Dragic is trying to fight through plantar fasciitis pain, like it just felt like it was inevitable that the Lakers were going to take home that trophy. And to be clear, they did deserve it. Uh, there were, I mean, some things with the refs that I'm sure fans will bring up, and I've continued to hear in my mentions on Twitter. But the Lakers were extremely talented, and for good reason. Uh, LeBron James is, in my lifetime, the best player I've ever seen, that's for sure. I'm not going to deal with the Michael Jordan comparison because I don't feel like arguing with people about it. Uh, but LeBron James is my greatest player of all time having not seen Michael Jordan for uh, his prime and going through that experience and whatnot. Um, Anthony Davis also proved that throughout these playoffs, other than a couple of stinkers here and there, that he was awesome. Like he, he is a great playoff player to have, and his ability to score efficiently offensively against almost any defense and also play a versatile form of defense himself. Um, it is one of the best skills and the best combinations of skills that you can have in the bubble. Uh, he just needs a facilitator next to him. He needs somebody who can do the playmaking for others. And fortunately, he has the best one of all time at that in LeBron. And that really, really helps. Um, but they definitely deserve it. Uh, it, it's it's bitter, of course, but if you're the Nuggets, then you understand, hey, the only team that you lost to was in the Western Conference Finals, and it was to the eventual NBA champions, and I think the Nuggets overall looked better against the NBA champions than the Miami Heat did, so that's at least some solace to take. It's, it's not big, but it is something to take away from this season, that the Nuggets, they did compete with every team they faced this year. And in that series, it just didn't really go their way. This first segment is going to be about Will Barton and the, the climb, the article that I did on Denver Stiffs on Monday this day. Uh, second and third seg segment will be about looking towards next season and some early championship odds stuff and 
what the Western Conference is going to look like. Um, but I want to start with Will Barton because he's a guy who didn't play a single minute in the bubble other than one scrimmage game in which he re-aggravated a sore knee that he was dealing with for a while. And ramping back up and, and heading into a bubble season, it, it was a an unnatural time for NBA athletes to be asked to play because most of the time during August, September, October, those guys are resting and, and then getting ready for the next season. Uh, it's unsurprising to me that especially a guy like Will, who he has dealt with injuries in the past, uh, mostly he's been he's been made of rubber, but he did have that major hip injury last season. Um, it had to be really difficult for Will Barton to deal with that knee soreness, and it was difficult enough, and the rehab was going so poorly that he had to leave the NBA bubble. And that's a tough that's a tough thing for a Nuggets team that's as close as they are, that's built with continuity, that I'm sure he wanted to be there for his guys. Uh, it's too bad that he wasn't in the bubble for the run that the Nuggets had. And uh, it's tough because when he came to the Nuggets back in 2014-2015, he was there... On February 19th was the day of the trade, February 19th, 2015. Uh, Brian Shaw was fired on March 3rd. So he was even there for the Brian Shaw era right before Michael Malone got into town. So he was at the lowest point of the franchise. And things didn't get much better that next season. And It wasn't until, until Nikola Jokic really started taking the reins that, that things started to change. But Barton was there for it all. He was... A throw-in in the Aaron Aflalo deal. He was a guy who wasn't necessarily thought of as a future piece for the Nuggets. He's always kind of a second-place guy as opposed to a guy that the Nuggets really prioritized. And that's been that way for a long time in, in his career, even in Denver. Uh, he was considered the sixth man for three of his years in Denver. Uh, his first full season in Denver... Uh, then the 2016-17 season, then 2017-18. It wasn't until Gary Harris got hurt and sustained a couple of injuries. Uh, I think Wilson Chandler also had a couple of ailments as well that Barton was then inserted into the starting lineup uh, and and started 40 games in the 17-18 season. Uh, He put up really great numbers during that stretch and proved that he was very capable as a shooting guard, as a starting shooting guard for the Nuggets. So they ultimately decided to go small in their starting lineup and start him next to Gary Harris, start him next to Jamal Murray and play him at starting small forward. Um, Unfortunately, last year at the very beginning, this is well documented, of course, but he hurt his hip and uh, had to have surgery on his right hip. And because of that, it really robbed him of all of the athleticism that he had prided himself on. And, and it, wasn't, it was, wasn't until this season where he really started to get that back. He was a slam dunk contest competitor. He's always a guy who was a high flyer and very athletic and could get above the rim and really used his body and his athleticism to create a lot of the amazing plays that he became known for. Um, 
robbing him of that athleticism, it was tough in the 18-19 playoffs, and that was one of the reasons why he was benched. It's one of the reasons why the Nuggets decided to insert Torrey Craig into the starting lineup. Uh, They didn't take out Gary Harris. They instead took out Will Barton, and that was the first playoff run the Nuggets had where Barton was really not a part of things, where he was uh, not as involved. And and looking back at that at that playoff run, it was really the Spurs series where he struggled a lot. In the Blazers series, he was actually good. He was actually decent. Um, but he still had his problems. He still had his troubles. It wasn't like he was out there for an extended period of time uh, because the because he couldn't really defend C.J. McCollum or, or Damian Lillard. And the Nuggets needed guys who could do that. Then this year came along, and with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic really struggling or, or going through ups and downs at the beginning of this season, uh, Barton was kind of the through line. He was the main reason why they were able to keep afloat. Uh, it was his steadiness. It was his guiding hand. It's his ability to uh, be a jack-of-all-trades for the Nuggets in their starting lineup. Uh, he wasn't going to impact the the games against LeBron, the games against Kawhi, and every every team that had a big starting small forward that was re- extremely dynamic. That wasn't his game. Um, but his baseline was able to carry the Nuggets in the regular season through a lot of their troubles. He's one of only 24 players to average 15 points, 6 assists, or 6 rebounds, 3 assists, and one of only 7 players to hit that and also shoot 37% from 3. Being able to do that is a skill. Being able to do that and, and at a high level is really important for getting the team through 82 games. Unfortunately, his injury this year and the injury last year, the Nuggets haven't been able to figure out if he's a 16-game player or not. They know that Jamal Murray is. They know that Nikola Jokic is. They believe that Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. are also 16-game players and contribute to that. They don't know about Will Barton. His his position there is very unclear. Uh, Given Denver's trajectory with what Michael Porter Jr. is looking like he's going to do with with how important Jeremy Grant proved that he's to this franchise in the playoffs. I think that it puts Will Barton's starting spot in jeopardy. We don't know if he's going to be back. We don't know if he's going to be considered a major piece for the Nuggets going forward. It's possible that he is, and I'd actually wager that it's likely. I think the most likely thing, I said this on a podcast with Jeff Morton, I think the most likely person to start is Gary Harris, but the second most by far is Will Barton. Uh, Both of those guys are very important to Denver's culture. They're very important to who they are, how they become who they've become, Uh, and it's important not to lose sight of that. I lose sight of that often when I I continue to think about the ways that Denver can get better and, and how they can make trades and additions and in free agency and the draft and it's easy to forget that a guy like Will Barton has been the through line in how the Nuggets went from really, really bad to then really, really good. And through it all, he was a good soldier. He never complained about anything. He was their emotional leader. 
He was an on-court leader as well. He's had some great moments. It hasn't just been hasn't just been him having the rah-rah speech or anything like that. He's not your normal cheerleader off the bench. He's a, a big fan of every player on the floor, but he's also very good. Uh, you saw that when he was supporting Michael Porter Jr. Uh, after MPJ scored 37 points against the OKC Thunder. Uh, Barton was the first person online to congratulate him and say, hey, that guy's got to play. That guy's, that guy's got an NBA future, and he's going to be a star. So Barton is the biggest fan of all of the players in the locker room. He was very quick to take to Nikola Jokic. He's obviously been quick to take to Michael Porter Jr. So I don't know what the future holds with him. I think it's very possible that it could be on a different team. But it's also possible that he could be the starting shooting guard for the Nuggets. Maybe they decide that they want to keep Michael Porter Jr. on the bench and then he's the starting small forward. I don't know. Um, I think that's much less likely. But I do see this as a potential issue for Denver. That if they have to, if they want to get better, if they want to improve, then this may be the avenue that they decide to go. They may not be able to trade Gary Harris in a, in a deal, and the easier guy to trade might be Will Barton. And that's a tough prospect to swallow. That's a that's a really really tough thing, because I still think that Barton is he's very good and he can contribute to playoff level basketball. He just hasn't really been able to enjoy the fruit of his labor yet. When we come back, we're going to talk about next season. We're going to talk about 2021 and how the Western Conference stacks up. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. It's been really good to get some content up on the site. Uh, if you haven't, go make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Everything that you do on there helps. Uh, it helps spread the popularity of the podcast. And the more popularity, the, the easier it is to produce episodes and to have an opportunity and, and whatnot. But I enjoy doing this. I love doing this. Don't get me wrong. This is awesome. And I, I'm always thankful when I when I see a podcast do really well because it's very validating for the work that Denver Nuggets Media has done in trying to, to help talk about this team in a positive way and deservedly so. Uh, the discussion around the Nuggets has always been negative. It's always been they aren't good enough in, in the city of Denver. But uh, so many of the outlets uh, have been podcasting very positively about the Nuggets, and it's been very good to see. Uh, love to hear the Athletic Podcast. Love to hear the DNVR Podcast. 
Locked On Nuggets, uh, Mile High Sports, all of those guys are doing a great job. So support us, but also support them, support everybody. Um, this segment, we're going to talk about the 2021 season. Next season, it's it's already here. Like the We just saw an NBA champion be crowned, and now we're going to talk about next season. So let's get into it. Um, on Odds Shark and, and a lot of other places, Bovada, uh, Las Vegas main sites, uh, they've started to do futures odds on which teams have the best chance to win an NBA championship. Well, it's best odds because it's not really chance. Uh, obviously, these things are calculated based off of how people will bet them. Uh, but from Odds Shark, the Nuggets have the ninth best odds to win the 2021 championship next year. Uh, I've seen as high as eighth in other places, but. I think that really goes to show uh, Denver still has a lot to earn in terms of proving year in, year out that they are a consistent contender, that they are deservably up at this level. Uh, I think they are, obviously. I think that they deserve to be talked about as one of the premier teams uh, in the NBA based off of their performance. But they're never going to get that credit until they actually get over the top. And that's okay. That's that's the the grind for every single team. And it really just shows, in addition, that the West is going to be great again. The Warriors are back. The Lakers and Clippers aren't going anywhere, despite the internal turmoil that the Clippers have had. Uh, the Rockets are sure to make some big moves as well. Uh, the Mavericks are going to get better. Those are the five contenders, along with Denver, that I think have the best chance to win a title next season. Uh, and they're all drastically different. Let's talk about them real quick. The Lakers are this huge, athletic, and defensively dominant team that has LeBron James. They have the best player in the league, and they have one of the most, the most, the the let's say the best second option in the league in Anthony Davis, who's really masquerading. He's a first option that's masquerading as a second option, but. He has some flaws as a first option that LeBron James covers up, as we talked about in the beginning of this podcast. Um, but they're big. They're huge. Uh, Dwight Howard really gave Nikola Jokic some issues late in that series. Uh, when they play big, most teams can't match up with them. The Nuggets are one of the teams that can actually do a decent job, and they did have a, a decent opportunity with Grant, Millsap, and Jokic in the starting lineup. They just needed Grant to hit more shots and for Millsap to hit more shots and be better offensively overall. Um, but they had the juice. The Nuggets had the ability to do it. They've just got to find another formula to get back to it. Um, the Clippers are obviously going to be back. They have the versatile wing pair of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Their weaknesses at point guard and center were obviously huge against the Nuggets team that has an elite point guard and an elite center. Uh I have to imagine they're going to shore that up. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The Warriors, they have the, the elite floor spacing guards, the Splash Bros, and that just opens everything up for everything else. We'll see if Draymond Green is the same player that he was. I very much doubt it. Uh, it doesn't. I wouldn't expect his game to age as well. Uh, he hasn't shot the ball well in eons, and I, I think that there's... We're going to have to see whether they can 
start back up again because it's not just about Steph and Clay. It's about Draymond too. It's about the fact that they don't have a lot of depth around those guys anymore. But they do have the second round pick, and they did have a couple of young guys showcase that they could be in a rotation. So we'll see what they end up being. They're not a finished product at all yet. Uh, the Rockets are still there with James Harden, Russell Westbrook. They have the micro ball. Uh, they don't have a lot of flexibility, but because their core is still intact, they they have the ability to get back to the playoffs. And, and if they matched up with Denver, that would be a tough matchup for Denver. Uh, James Harden is still James Harden. Uh, Russell Westbrook, he's not as good, don't get me wrong. But because of the, their ability to space the floor, that's tough against a team like Denver, who it's hard to envision who Nikola Jokic guards in a series like that. Um, and then the Mavericks. They have Doncic, of course. He is kind of a mini LeBron in the making. Kristaps uh, Porzingis is... He was very good this year. I hope that he gets back to full strength because injury issues for him and for for bigs that that like that when they have lower leg injuries that's a tough thing uh they have a bunch of role players around those guys that are very good um i wonder if they need more top top heavy talent i would actually bet on it but we'll see whether that translates into something different going forward but those teams are so different with the lakers you have an elite forward and big pairing the Clippers, you have two elite forwards. With the Warriors, you have two elite guards. With the Rockets, you have two elite guards. And with the Ma- Mavericks, you have an elite forward and big pairing. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Nuggets match up with each of those teams in a playoff series and, and just going forward because there are so many great teams in the West that you can't just gear up for one team. Uh, the Warriors were that team that every every contender had to gear up for and the Rockets should have won when they ultimately did that it's too bad that they didn't uh actually it's not too bad I don't really care they're whiny anyway um but the Rockets geared up for the uh for the Golden State Warriors and because of that they had a bunch of weaknesses against other teams so much so that they had to really adjust and pivot and do a lot of crazy stuff to ultimately get to microball, and that didn't work, and now now they're probably stuck between a rock and a hard place, and I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but the great thing about the Nuggets in this conversation specifically is that they're building blocks. They believe that they have building blocks at guard, forward, and big that should continue to grow and develop together and provide mismatch issues for other teams. Murray, Porter, and Jokic, they present so many different skill sets and a lot of skill, uh, but versatile skill. Uh, Murray, obviously, he, he's not a traditional point guard, but he's playing like it sometimes. And his ability to pull up from three, pull up from anywhere on the floor, really. But also, he can now play make for others. He can get to the rim. Uh, he sets screens for Jokic. He can go off ball. Like he, he does a lot of different things offensively. Uh, Porter is very is going to ultimately be similar. Uh, he plays mostly off ball, but has the ability to shoot the ball from anywhere on the floor. He's a rebounding mismatch nightmare. Uh, he can shoot over anybody. He can go inside. He can score outside. Uh, 
if he can play with the ball in his hands and play make for others, then that's going to be really interesting as well. Um, Jokic obviously is a mismatch nightmare for everybody for obvious reasons. I'm not even going to go into that for him, but uh, there are a few NBA teams that can competently match up with all three of those guys, and I'd argue that zero NBA teams actually can. Uh, but for Denver, that's going to be half of the equation with them. They have to be able to defend. They have to be able to match up defensively with those contenders. That's going to be critical for their long-term success. Uh, with the Lakers, we've already seen those issues. They don't have a guy to match up with Anthony Davis, and that's going to be a problem. Uh, when the Lakers go small and put Davis at the five, that forces Jokic to guard Davis, and that's an issue. Um when the Lakers continue to add more competent shooting in this offseason around LeBron, that's also going to be an issue because the Nuggets, they, they just have so little margin for error in those situations because they're helping out on LeBron and AD so much. So we saw guys like Kentavious Caldwell-Pope really hurt the Nuggets from game to game. Uh, Rajon Rondo was hurting the Nuggets from the perimeter. So if those guys continue to hurt Denver then imagine what actually really good shooters would do. Like, they're not going to get Joe Harris, but imagine if they had Joe Harris next to LeBron and AD. That'd be nuts. Uh, They may find different versions of that or see what they can do in adding other pieces that will make sense there. Uh, Could Bull Bull be ready for that matchup against Anthony Davis? Could he be the the guy that helps Denver play one-on-one in that matchup because Bol Bol is so long and athletic and can match up and is one of the only players that could technically match up with Davis physically? Uh, the quick answer is probably not, but there's time to find that out, and Denver should probably test it. Uh, could Michael Porter Jr.? At 6'10", 6'11", he would probably be the easiest matchup for for the Lakers, or no, not for the Lakers, but for the Nuggets if they were to try to defend the Lakers because the easiest thing for Denver would be to start Jokic on whoever they play at center, uh, MPJ on Davis, and Grant on LeBron. That would be great. If, if that could go as cleanly as it does, then that would be awesome. I doubt that it can. I doubt that MPJ is going to be good enough defensively to do that. But you never know. He's not done finishing. He's not done developing, of course. Um, but yeah, between Bulbul and MPJ, that's probably the best way to figure out if you can defend those guys. Or you have to go outside the organization to do it. With the Clippers... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver tries to add, or no, I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers tried to add a better defensive center next year. I don't know who that is. They could be trading for said guy. They could be uh, not re-signing Montrez Harrell and instead going for uh, Marc Gasol or somebody like that. I think Marc Gasol, I'm, I'm not sure if he'd be amenable to it, but there are very few players that could defend Nikola Jokic one-on-one, and Marc Gasol might be one of them. Um That would be interesting to find out. Um, With the Warriors, somebody has to defend Steph Curry. Somebody has to defend Klay Thompson. Uh, Denver has guys who could possibly do that, but probably not. Um, Both would probably be killers in a playoff series against the Nuggets, and three is worth more than two, and despite the fact that the Nuggets would have an interior advantage... 
I'm not sure if it would matter if Steph Curry plays like Jamal Murray but better in the postseason this past year. Um, Clay Thompson also, like, he's burned the Nuggets in the past. Uh, I wonder if he can get back to that level. I wonder if Steph Curry can get, can get back to that level. We're, we're just going to have to see. But they have, they've shown the capability in the past, and so that's at least something the Nuggets need to watch out for. Same thing with the Rockets. The, the Nuggets just don't really have an answer for James Harden at all. They've tried Gary Harris and Torrey Craig and Will Barton and guys like that. It hasn't really translated to winning. It hasn't really translated to them being able to guard one-on-one. And So much of the reason for that is because Jokic has been in the pick and roll and they've had Clint Capella and we haven't actually seen how the Nuggets deal with microball yet and how the Rockets deal with Nikola Jokic in the middle of the paint. But we're going to find out, and I'm looking forward to seeing how those teams match up against each other because it's going to be fascinating from just a stylistic perspective. Uh, Mavericks, uh, Jeremy Grant is going to match up against Luka Doncic if he's back in Denver. Um, but can Jokic consistently get out to Kristaps Porzingis when Kristaps is playing the five? Uh, can he match up in the pick and roll? He, is he is is Jokic good enough at the hedging defense that uh, Luka Doncic will have problems dealing with it? Because I doubt it. I think the Nuggets would have to switch up their pick and roll coverage a lot, and it's not just hedging that's going to get it done. They have to vary things up, and I don't know if they have the scheme versatility in order to do that. But we're gonna find out. So. The point being, the Nuggets need as many options as possible to play different ways, to play different styles, match up with different teams. Uh, Or they just need to be good enough on their own to force opponents to match up with them because they have the talent to do that. Jokic, Murray, Porter, that could be enough. You never know. Uh, I wouldn't rely on it. I would try to match up as best as possible to guard against whether MPJ is going to break out or not. I think he's going to, but you never know. And sometimes you may just have to pivot to do what you can do best against some of these other teams. And if that's just rely heavily on Murray and Jokic and just hope that MPJ can figure it out, then it is what it is. When we come back, we're going to talk about what the Nuggets need. We're going to do some recommendations on on some players that they can add. And I, I we're going to do this throughout the offseason, but I'm interested in talking about who the Nuggets need to be NBA champions. We'll be right back. All right, Nuggets numbers, Ryan Blackburn here. Final segment here. Uh, this is going to go up on Denver Stiffs on Tuesday. So if you haven't checked out what we've done over at Denver Stiffs, make sure to check it out. Uh, I posted a profile on PJ Dozier uh, on Monday and then also posted the climb on Will Barton that I talked about at the beginning of this podcast. So if you're interested in reading on some of the Nuggets individual players, maybe guys that don't get as much pub that probably should, uh, Give that a gander. Give those two pieces a gander. We're going to have each of those end-of-season reviews uh, every day. 
We're going to do it over the next three weeks, and there are 17 players on the Nuggets roster, including their two two-way spots. We're going to talk about every single player, uh, from Troy Daniels to Nikola Jokic. It's going to be a lot of fun, uh, so make sure to check those out. They'll all be in a story stream on the front page of the website. Okay, let's talk about the Nuggets' needs for being champions, because they're already championship contenders, but... Uh, because they put to bed any belief that they couldn't hang with people this year. but And anybody who says that they couldn't hang is a clown now because they beat the L.A. Clippers. And the Clippers were the basically the title favorite for most people. Uh, but in order to solidify the championship window, uh, I do think that the Nuggets need to make changes and additions to their roster. Because the foundation on paper is really good. It's really balanced and malleable. And it should be successful against every team. Uh, Jokic, Murray, Porter, Grant, I think that's a great foundation to have. Those guys should be probably the only players on the roster to average over 30 minutes a game next year. Uh, That wouldn't surprise me at all. But if they get into different situations, or maybe there's an injury, or uh, maybe there's a, a freak circumstance that changes things, or maybe they just need to be better, maybe that foundation isn't as good as we'd need it to be, Uh, then the Nuggets need to have some ability to add some structure and some careful craftsmanship around those guys. So let's go back through each of the contenders, and I think that it's important to talk about the positions that are going to be needed to fit against these contenders. Because against the Lakers, I think the Nuggets need another big man. I think they need another guy who's not just Bull Bull, in order to match up against Anthony Davis. Uh, Millsap had some good moments defending Davis. Plumlee did not, obviously. Um, Could Bull Bull be the answer? Probably not. There's an outside chance that he could. Uh, But he's so young. I think he's still 20. And a guy like that who's still on a two-way contract, uh, I need to see it before I believe it with him. I'd like to see him play regular rotation minutes. I think he's very talented. I think he's very good, and he deserves that time and that opportunity to prove it. But you still need to see it. I think he's the ideal fourth big for the Nuggets next year. And that would be a good thing for the Nuggets going into the year. But in order for there to be a fourth big, there needs to be a third big. If, if Jokic is the first and Jeremy Grant is the second... Bull Bull is the fourth. The Nuggets need a third big that can play a versatile brand of defensive basketball that makes sense next to Nikola Jokic. Uh, Guys to keep an eye on are Serge Ibaka, Tristan Thompson, Derek Favors. Some lower money guys could be Jamichael Green, Nerlens Noel. All of those guys are defensive minded. They have the ability to match up with the really good players at their positions. And they've done a decent job uh, this season and in the past. Uh, Favors and and Thompson are probably the two best defenders there, Uh, just from both a foundational and a versatility perspective. I'm really intrigued by Tristan Thompson. I think he's had some time in Cleveland where he hasn't been at his best over these last couple of years, but quietly last year he averaged about 12 and 10. Um, 
he's good. He's a good rebounder. He's a good, versatile defensive role man. Uh, I think he could defend Anthony Davis about as good as any free agent in this class. So might as well try to give him an opportunity. Uh, Favors is the other guy. I, I wonder how much athleticism he has left. Uh, Serge Ibaka, kind of the same deal. He's more of a center than he is a power forward, though against the Lakers that might be the one team that he isn't a center. He's more of a power forward type. Uh, Jamichael Green is, is a guy who the Clippers may not be able to hold on to, or they might. We'll see what happens with them, but uh, I would keep an eye on him, and I'd also keep an eye on Nerlens Noel. I don't think that Noel is the right guy to bring into Denver, but he is a potential option. Um, okay, against the Clippers and the Mavericks, you're probably looking for the more defensive-minded forwards, uh, the guys that are more toughness and grit. They can probably space the floor as well, but that's not the main reason they're out there. They're out there for their defense against guys like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Luka Doncic. Um, no guy is going to defend those players by themselves. It's, it's a cumulative effort, but in order for it to be cumulative you have to have multiple options. And Grant is one really good option, but if he gets into foul trouble, the Nuggets are in trouble. So Grant and Porter are going to start, but if Millsap doesn't return, I think adding another forward is really important because it, it's just important to keep Michael Porter fresh. It's important to keep Jeremy Grant fresh. You don't want to overwork those guys in the regular season. That will be bad. Um Maybe Katie Bates-Diop steps up into that situation. Maybe Vlako Chanchar has a role there, but I don't know. Uh, maybe they even bring Tory Craig back, but I think that's kind of unlikely. Uh, I think the quickest way to improve in that position is with free agency. It's, it's guys like Jay Crowder, uh, who has been on the highlight display in the finals, uh, hasn't been a great shooting option, but he's versatile enough defensively and smart enough on that end that really he does lift up the floor of a lot of teams. Uh, Mo Harkless is another guy like that who I think kind of underrated because he was traded for Marcus Morris from the Clippers. But there is a major argument among Clippers fans that uh, Mo Harkless was a better fit with the Clippers than Marcus Morris and would have helped against a team like the Nuggets. And I kind of tend to agree with them. Uh, I like him. I think he would be a good fit. Justin Holiday is another guy. Uh, probably not as big as you need against a guy like PG or Kawhi or Luka, but he's still 6'6". He's a quality player. He's a quality person. Anytime you can add a Holiday member of the family to the team, you might as well try to do it. Uh, other lower cost options are James Ennis from the Orlando Magic and Derek Jones Jr. from the Heat, who he'd probably get closer to the MLE. Uh, but we're, we're just going to have to see what he does because I'm really intrigued with what the Heat do because they have multiple free agents that could really uh, change things for them. They've got like They've got Crowder as a free agent. They've got Derek Jones. They've got uh, Goran Dragic as a free agent. But they're also trying to keep 2021 cap space available for guys like Giannis or uh, Victor Oladipo or, or any of the, the free agents that'd like to go to Miami instead. Um, if free agency doesn't work with forwards, though, trade options could also be available. 
uh, guys like Kelly Oubre, Aaron Gordon, who might even start over Jeremy Grant, um, Otto Porter, Al Farouk Aminu. Those are some names to watch on the trade market. I'm not sure how Denver gets those guys. I'm not sure what the deal would be to, to and I don't really want to speculate there right now, but just kind of the, the ballpark realm of guys who might be helpful for the Nuggets on the trade market. Um, and then against the Warriors and the Rockets, you're looking for a defensive guard. Somebody who can hang offensively is also paramount because you don't want to add a guy who is good on defense, but you can't really rely on him offensively because that's that's a really tough situation to be in if you're if you're too heavily reliant. Like for example, uh, although he had a really great game seven in the first round, Lugans Dort. Uh, of the OKC Thunder was mostly a liability against the Houston Rockets offensively. Despite the fact that he was great defensively against Harden, uh, the the Thunder, they couldn't really rely on him offensively for most of that game, for most of that series. And I think it cost them a potential advancement to the playoffs, or to the second round, excuse me. Um, but against the Warriors and the Rockets... Jamal Murray is obviously going to start. We think that Michael Porter and Jeremy Grant are going to be the two forwards, which means one of the guard spots needs to be filled in the starting unit. And I don't know who it's going to be. It could be Gary Harris, and he'd probably be the best option from a defensive perspective against a team like the Warriors or the Rockets. Uh, the Nuggets need a guy who can chase around Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and James Harden and Russell Westbrook and guys of that nature. Uh, Murray will probably have to take some more tough assignments because Porter's in the lineup. But they still need a guy who can be a primary defender. Um, Harris is great enough defensively to do that, but can he contribute on offense? Can he be a guy that continues to space the floor well? I'm not sure if he can. Um we, we haven't really seen that much evidence of that over the last couple of years, and that's a tough thing to hear, but against the Lakers, he had a really good opportunity to space the floor and hit some shots, and it, it never really felt like he was an impactful offensive player uh, because once he was run off the line, he couldn't really do anything with the ball in his hands. Um, is Will Barton good enough defensively? He has good offensive contributions, but is he good enough on the defensive end to justify being out there. I don't know what the answer is. And given that he's an injury risk as well, that's a tough thing to ask from a starting perspective. Um, Morris and Dozier probably aren't good enough for various reasons. Morris defensively, Dozier offensively uh, to start against those kinds of teams. And the free agency class is pretty weak in terms of adding guys who can match up with the Warriors and Rockets. Uh, maybe Chris Dunn, who's a really, really great defensive player, but is, like I said, he's very one-sided and can't even shoot. So that's probably out the window. Um, there are trade targets, though. And this is probably the position that's most uh, likely to be addressed via trade. Um I'm going to name a few players, and there are many more guys that I could name that are interesting that might not be starters but could be reserves. These guys I would consider starters or at least to play starter minutes, though. Uh, Drew Holiday 
is consistently going to be on these offseason lists because he's going to be available in all likelihood. And he his price has probably come down since the end of this past season with the Pelicans. Um, but another two Pelicans that I want to talk about are Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart. Uh, both are young players. Both are very competent. Both contribute in different ways. Lonzo's more of a secondary creator offensively. Josh Hart is your standard 3 and D guy, but he also does some good job rebounding. He's a very smart and high IQ player. Uh, he's more than just a 3 and D player because he does some other things. Uh, maybe not as great defensively as the 3 and D title suggests, though. Um, Marcus Smart is another good option. Josh Richardson of the Sixers is another good option. All of them make a degree of sense as players to throw at Warriors and Rockets stars to keep Murray more fresh, to keep Porter more fresh, so Jeremy Grant doesn't have to chase around Steph Curry, things like that. Um, But the point being, there are guys that are possibly available. There are guys you could probably talk yourselves into as players that could really complete the Nuggets starting lineup from both an offensive and defensive perspective. Uh, that's probably the most important thing for the Nuggets, is they have to become more complete, and they can't have as many holes as they had. The Nuggets needed a better option at shooting guard for most of the playoffs, and missing Will Barton was a big reason for that. Uh, maybe Barton is the guy that gets them over the top. I, I think it's possible that he does, but we just have to see, and and. Maybe the Nuggets' front office is good with that, and maybe they're okay to stand pat and say, hey, we got to the Western Conference Finals, but we think that we can continue to use this group and continue to develop them, and they can get to the NBA Finals going forward. And to that I would say, maybe. Maybe it's possible, but already the chances of of, of actually getting a championship are pretty low, so you might as well go for it. You might as well do things that you think will help on the margins to surround the stars that you think are very star-like. Murray and Jokic have obviously proved themselves. Uh, Porter is on his way. Grant has proved himself. Surrounding those guys with elite talent, or as elite of talent as he possibly can get, on the biggest stage is going to be extremely important for getting the Nuggets over the top. I don't know if they're ever going to do it. I don't know if they're comfortable making big moves or even small moves. But I don't think doing nothing is the best strategy. And I don't foresee the Nuggets doing that either. I do think that they trust their internal development. But there's a difference between banking on internal development and just standing pat. There is going to be some turnover. The Nuggets can't bring everybody back. They're going to bring in a few new players. And they might even make a splash. Uh, We're going to see what that does to the team's chemistry, to the team's roster. But I'm looking forward to watching it all, looking forward to covering it all. That's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Again, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network on iTunes. That would be super helpful. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to check out DenverStiffs.com for great content, and I will talk to you guys very soon.